Well, good Thursday, good weekday evening, actually. And today is Thursday, July 14th. The time is 7 p.m. And you're tuned in to the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir. And uh, we welcome you. If you're a first-time listener, we welcome you uh, to this podcast. And if you've tuned in before, uh, in the past several weeks, we welcome you back. Um, again, I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, and the Parents of Prodigals podcast is a weekly live call-in program. Uh, it is dedicated to parents who have children, whether they're teenagers or adult children, uh, children who have either wandered from the faith or have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, during this time from 7 to 8 o'clock p.m. on a weekly basis, we have a time of prayer, we have a short devotion, and we always tie in our devotional thoughts uh, to the topic of prodigal sons and daughters and our concerns for their salvation. And then we open up our phone lines, for lack of a better term. We are online. We open up our line for anyone to call in and to present your prayer requests for your prodigal sons and daughters, and we will unite in prayer, intercession, and petition for them and pray for their salvation. Uh, we will pray for their deliverance to whatever they're in bondage in. Um, you've said this before in prior podcasts, some of our prodigal sons and daughters, uh, whether they're teenagers or adult children, some are living at home and some are on their own, uh, living independently. And many of our prodigal sons and daughters are in bondage to perhaps drug addiction or alcoholism or an immoral lifestyle some of our prodigal sons and daughters are addicted to people. Maybe they're involved in a relationship uh, that is unhealthy for them, that is keeping them from accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior and distracting them from the things of God. Uh, negative peer pressure is another thing that our prodigal sons and daughters can be in bondage to um, friends and associations that are encouraging our prodigal sons and daughters not to turn to Christ, but to continue in what they're doing. There's plenty of time to accept Christ. We don't have to do it now. Uh, for now, just let's just live our lives and have a good time. Religion, church, and the Bible are for old folks or for later on in life. But when you're young, now's the time to have a good time. Many of our prodigal sons and daughters hear those thoughts from their peers or maybe in their relationships. Some of our prodigal sons and daughters are very successful in their careers, and that's a positive and good thing, as long as the career does not distract them from the things of God and make them think that that's all they need in life, money and success and popularity, but there is no time or no need for God. And so we unite in prayer we uh, unite in petition, supplication, and intercession for all of our prodigal sons and daughters, and we pray that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray for their deliverance and freedom from whatever is binding them. And again, as I said in the past, uh, some of us know where our prodigal sons and daughters are. Some of them live at home. Other prodigal sons and daughters are in other locations. They may be incarcerated or in drug rehabs, and some of us have prodigal sons and daughters, and we have absolutely no knowledge as to where they are. We don't know who they're with, what they're doing, um, and we sometimes perhaps lose sleep at night. We're anxious, worried, uh, fearful for their safety, and we want them to be safe, even no matter how old they are. We want our sons and daughters safe. And the most important safety that we are anxious about is the safety of their souls. 
As I've said before, I do not believe we are in the last days. I believe we are in the last seconds, the last moments, and that Christ is going to return to snatch up his church in an event called the rapture. With, in the twinkling of an eye, believers, those of us who have trusted in Christ, will be snatched up in the air and go with the Lord to escape the horrible period of time called the seven-year tribulation period that will follow the rapture. I myself many times have been apprehensive about my sons and daughter, uh, my son and daughter being left behind when the rapture takes place, uh, facing the seven years of terrible judgment that will come upon the world. Uh, and there will be a world leader, the Antichrist, who will take over the world and will lead many astray. Um, and there will be many people who will be left behind. And it's our prayer, my prayer for my children, and I'm sure your prayer for yours, that all of our prodigal sons and daughters who are outside of the faith will accept Christ and be raptured, be caught up in the air along with us and be with us in eternity. So that is our prayer. In fact, that is also uh, the topic of our evening devotion today. So what we will do right now is begin with a short word of prayer. Please unite with me in prayer. Father, I thank you again for this one-hour period of time, Lord, when we can unite together, myself and whoever is listening, moms and dads or guardians of young people, male and female, teenagers and perhaps adults who are outside of the faith and have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that this one-hour period of time be a time of comfort, strength, and encouragement for those who are listening to this podcast. And I pray, Lord, for these parents and guardians that you strengthen them as they wait patiently for that time when their young loved ones will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and come to a saving faith. And we don't want any of our children, any of the children in our charge, to be left behind if the rapture takes place. So hear our prayer and bless those who are listening today, Lord God. Let this be a time of comfort, strengthening, encouragement, and most of all, deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. And I also want to mention, of course, that during this time when we will unite in prayer with you, we invite you we would love for you to call in. Uh, if you have downloaded the Podbean link, just follow the prompts. And we would love to have you on the air. We would love for you to call in and share your concerns, your burdens for your prodigal sons and daughters. And we will unite in prayer with you. If you want to chime in and just provide an insight what your thoughts are on this issue. Maybe perhaps your son or daughter recently came to Christ and you want to give a testimony. We would love to hear from you as you provide that testimony. Your testimony can be an encouragement and strengthen parents whose children are still outside the faith. So whether it's a prayer request, an insight, or a testimony, we would love to hear from you. We will put you on the air. And we'd love to hear what your thoughts are, what your testimonies are, what the Lord has done for you, and what your prayer requests are. If you chime in and you don't want to divulge any details, we will respect your privacy. We will not pry, nor do we wish to make, want to make anybody uncomfortable. Uh, if you want to call in and present an unspoken request, that's fine too. And we will unite in prayer for that unspoken prayer request. I mentioned earlier that our devotion, before we open up our lines, we always try to tie in our devotions to the topic of prodigal sons and daughters. And I mentioned this in one of my previous podcasts. 
I make it a personal habit of whenever I share, whether I'm on the air or whether I'm behind the pulpit leading a study or speaking to a body of believers, I never share anything, never share anything that I have not personally experienced. This week alone, my wife and I uh, are going through a particular time of testing and trial. Uh, it's nothing significantly major, but it is a situation, of course, which we have committed to prayer. Um, our one vehicle, uh, our transmission died on our one vehicle. And of course, those types of repairs are extremely expensive. And we did receive a quote, a very reasonable quote from a local mechanic. And we thank God for that. That was the answer to a prayer. And now, of course, um, the next thing that we are asking the Lord for is for financial provision for the bill that has to be paid to fix that car. Uh, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how it's going to get to us, nor do I know when. But I do know that the scripture clearly says that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So um, when this particular thing occurred and I was driving and the car came to a complete grinding halt, of course, I became frustrated, agitated, and even angry. And it was my uh, situation that I was disturbed about. And my wife, of course, is a pillar, a spiritual pillar for me, and she encouraged me as well. We encouraged each other, and we are committing this issue to prayer. And so uh, this is something that we have entered into prayer about, and we're just trusting in God to meet this particular need. A small example, uh, nothing as significant, uh, but I'm sure there are people who are going through much more difficult situations than this, and you are at a spot and a place where you have to trust the Lord. I'm going to be reading from Psalm number 13. Psalm 13, and of course, I will be reading from two versions. I'll be reading first from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, different Bible versions phrase things differently. And I believe it is beneficial to get different insights as to how they phrase things. I will be reading from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will I en my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now I'll be reading a different version which phrases the psalm differently and provides additional insights regarding what it's saying. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's very interesting. That first verse has a pause. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. 
This particular psalm um, is, of course, an encouragement to me. Many people who are going through difficult times have had to wrestle with their thoughts, wrestle with the difficulties that they're going through. And it's very easy, uh, as we tie this particular psalm to the situation of prodigals, that when our wayward children, um, regardless of where they are, if uh, you are the parent or guardian of a prodigal son or daughter, and you are praying for their salvation, and you are asking the Lord to save their souls, that many, many times we will ask the Lord to save them, and we are preoccupied. Um, we become nervous and agitated. And many times as we're praying for their salvation, we may invite them to church, and they may come, and when there's an altar call, they don't respond. We pray and we fast, and sometimes it seems that our prodigal sons and daughters just become more entrenched in what they're doing or what they believe in or what they're involved with. They may become hostile to the gospel, not want anything to do. Even the mere mention of the things of God irritates them or sets them off. And then when these things happen, it's very easy to say, how long, Lord, how how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And then we agonize for their salvation. We wonder how long it's going to take. It's a scary thing to commit a situation to God's hands. I myself struggle with this constantly. Um, I like to keep things real. I'm not a spiritual giant. And again, I never share anything that I have not personally experienced or I'm not going through at the moment. And so many times we will pray for our prodigal sons and daughters and we wonder, what is it going to take for them to get saved? What is God going to do to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ? How long, O oh Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Think to yourself, how long must you wrestle with the thoughts of the agony of wondering about your prodigal sons and daughters? Day after day, have sorrow in your heart. Many times our prodigal sons and daughters can bring sorrow to our hearts as they are involved in what they're doing and we worry about them. Then verse 2 goes on to say, How long will my enemy triumph over me? The enemy, the devil, Satan, is the enemy of our souls. And he has our prodigal sons and daughters in bondage to whatever he is having them involved with. And it seems like he is triumphing over us and that he has them in chains to whatever they're in bondage to. And verse 3 goes on to say, Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes where I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. The enemy would love. There is nothing more that he would like than to see you and I give up praying for our prodigal sons and daughters Nothing more he would like to see you and I as parents or guardians of wayward young people to give up praying for them and become discouraged, not speak to them anymore about the things of God. He would love for you and I to believe, too far gone, no way they're going to get saved. Just go about your Christian life, leave them behind. They're not going to get saved. But verse 5 and 6, turn the tables on the enemy and that agonizing frame of mind with the following verses. Verse 5 and 6 go on to say, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I trust in your unfailing love. We, you and I, need to trust that the Lord will save our prodigal sons and daughters. And as we trust in God's unfailing love, the Bible makes it very clear that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He takes no delight 
in the death of the wicked. And so it is God's will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Never doubt whether or not it is God's will for your son and daughter to be saved. Never believe that your son or daughter are not one of the elect or not chosen, one of the chosen few who will be saved. That belief is a satanic, devilish lie. The enemy would have you and I believe that your prodigal son and daughter may not be one of those who are supposed to be saved. Again, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we need to trust in God's unfailing love. We need to rejoice in his salvation. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what it will take to save your prodigal son and daughter, my prodigal son and daughter. And he knows the perfect time to do it. There is an appointed time, an appointed method, and an appointed place that God has planned for your prodigal son and daughter. You may be listening to this podcast and you have a prodigal brother or sister. You're saved, but your brother or sister is not. You came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they did not. And so we unite in prayer even fasting, the scripture makes very clear that fasting can break the yoke of whatever chain or cord has our young people in bondage. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you are the brother or sister of a prodigal sibling, call in. We would love to hear from you and what your insights are as well. And so... We look forward to hearing from anyone who wants to contact us and speak their mind and share their insights regarding this issue. And Psalm 13 is a very, very encouraging song. You know, sooner or later, many of us as God's people feel as if the Lord has forgotten us. And by his pleas for the Lord to look, answer, and give light to his eyes, David, who wrote this psalm, clearly felt that God had intentionally forsaken him. Even Jesus felt forsaken when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And David wrote this particular psalm most likely when he was on the run from Saul, who was chasing him. And after running from Saul countless number of times, David was so worn out emotionally that he felt as though he would sleep in death. And it's in these difficult times that it's appropriate to acknowledge these emotions. But we need to press on and press in to endure and to trust in God. Because even when it doesn't appear to be true, God's will will prevail. And that the enemy is not going to prevail. The enemy's job is to make sure that you and I give up praying for our prodigals. The scripture makes it very clear that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to our prodigal sons and daughters. He wants them dead, and he wants them in a Christless grave. The enemy wants your prodigal son and daughter in an eternity without salvation. But thank God for prayer, intercession, and petition. Thank God for the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that no one can come unto the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And so we unite in prayer and we ask the Lord that the Holy Spirit touch the hearts and minds, souls, opens up the eyes and opens up the ears of our prodigal sons, our prodigal daughters, our prodigal brothers or sisters, so that they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Earlier this week, I was speaking to somebody who has an unspoken request. I mentioned earlier that 
If somebody wants to contact the program and present an unspoken request, we will respect the privacy and not mention their name. And such a member of our local church approached me with an unspoken request, and we will respect their privacy. But we will unite in prayer for this young person who has not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we're approaching the halfway mark of our program. But before we approach this halfway mark, I want to say a prayer for this young individual and their salvation and their freedom from bondage. And so you may not know who the young person is, but God knows who they are, where they are, what they're doing. So please join me in prayer for this young person and their parents. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord. And as always, before we present our petitions to you, we want to ask you for cleansing from sin. If there's anything we have said, anything that we've done, any thought that we've had, any type of behavior that we've exhibited that's been displeasing to you, Lord, and that has been not consistent with our calling. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing, my Lord, so that we can come before you with clean hands and a pure heart, and that our prayers will not be hindered, Lord, and our fellowship with you will not be hindered as well. We thank you for your forgiveness of any trespasses we've committed. And right now, I come before you, we come before you, to present this young person, this unspoken prayer request for this young person. You see where they are, what they're doing, who they're with, what they're involved with, what they're thinking, and what they're in bondage to. But no cord is too strong, no chain is too strong. Nothing that binds a young person is too strong that you can't break it and free them from whatever it is, Lord. And so we pray for their souls, Lord, that you would bring them to the point where they surrender their lives to you. It is a scary thing to surrender to you, my Lord. It's also a scary thing, my God, to say, do whatever it takes, Lord. That takes a tremendous amount of trust. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief, if there is any. And so we pray for this young person that you would save them, Lord. That you would touch their hearts, open up their minds. Let them run across somebody who will witness to them. Let them maybe come across a program that they'll listen to that will speak to their hearts. Let them maybe read a gospel track that will catch their attention, and that they'll read. Provoke a response, Holy Spirit, in the lives of this particular young person, my Lord. Save their souls so that they can be raptured and spend eternity with you, my God. We commit them into your hands, Lord God, this particular young person, that you release them from bondage. When we come up against the power of the enemy that has them in bondage, we rebuke the power of the enemy that has them in the snares and cords of what they're involved with. We proclaim freedom for them. We proclaim deliverance in their lives. We, by faith, we call it and we speak it. We speak life, eternal life, into the life of this young person, my God. And we thank you for their salvation in advance, Lord, for we know it will be done, Lord God. We don't know when, we don't know how. That's your business and your concern. And we trust you with the situation. And I pray right now for the parents of this young person, Lord, that you give them strength and encouragement. Don't let them get discouraged. Don't let them get depressed. Don't let them throw in the towel. Don't let them... Go to bed at night with anxious hearts. Give them sweet sleep tonight. Give them 
a strong sense of your presence that everything is going to be okay. You are in control, Lord. You have the perfect plan. Help us to trust in your will, your power, your plan. We thank you, Lord God, for answering this prayer as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've reached the halfway mark of our program. And that being said, we are going to play some godly music. We always pick our songs here carefully. And it's my prayer that the musical numbers that we are going to play will speak to your heart, encourage your heart, strengthen, and comfort you. And so we will take a short break after these two musical interludes. And we hope to hear from you, that you will call in so you can share what your concerns, prayer requests are, and your insights. This is a live call-in program. This is your program, the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I myself am the parent of prodigals. And so let's go to a short studio break, and we shall return with more of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. i mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, we thank God for those two musical numbers, and it's my prayer that those two musical numbers spoke to you. He is able. There is nothing that God cannot do when it comes to saving our prodigal sons and daughters. He is capable. He is able. And don't despair. Your prodigal son and daughter will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But any promise in Scripture comes with conditions. And we have to meet those conditions. Of course, we cannot have unconfessed sin in our lives and expect the Lord to answer our prayers. Unconfessed sin can block our prayers. And of course, we even have to pray. We may be hoping that our prodigal sons and daughters accept Christ, but we're not praying. We're hoping other people are praying for them. We may ask our church, pray for my prodigal son and daughter, ask our pastor, but we ourselves are not praying for them. So unconfessed sin can block our prayers and not even praying for them. We need to pray. We need maybe even to fast. The Lord may lay it upon your heart to fast for your prodigal son and daughter. I know there are several times in my church when I have asked people in my church to unite with me and pray for my prodigal son and daughter. And I've asked folks in my church to stand in proxy for them and lay hands on someone who's standing in proxy. Distance is not a problem for God. And you can ask someone to stand in proxy if your son and daughter refuses to come to church. Have someone stand in proxy for them and have the church lay hands on them and pray for your prodigal sons and daughters' deliverance. The Lord will answer your prayer. And in addition to that, not only must we get rid of unconfessed sin, which can block our prayers, and we have to even remember to pray for them consistently and regularly, but we have to have faith and trust and believe that God will answer. A divided heart is displeasing to the Lord. And it makes it very clear in the scriptures that if you don't trust for God to answer your prayer, the Lord cannot answer it. There were many times when Christ could not perform miracles. There was one occasion when he could do no miracles in a particular village because the people did not trust and not have faith in him. Doubt, fear, mistrust, a lack of confidence can block the wondering working power of what our Lord can do. I'm speaking to myself when I say that, not just to you. I myself have on many occasions been fearful, have doubted, and I have to remind myself Many times my wife has to remind me she is a parakletos. That is a Greek word for someone who stands alongside and provides encouragement. The Holy Spirit is a parakletos. My wife is a parakletos who is an encourager and reminds me to renew my faith and trust in God for the salvation of my prodigal son and daughter. And so if you are the parent or guardian of one such young person who is outside the faith, I stand with you. I'm in your shoes, and we share a common bond and burden. Again, our lines are open if you'd like to call in and share your insights, provide a testimony, or you need prayer for your prodigal son and daughter. In the meantime, I ran across a very interesting article. Um, the article had mentioned that there were approximately five factors, five things that distract young people from accepting Christ, from turning to the faith. Some of these factors and these obstacles are things faced by teens, others by adult prodigal sons and daughters. And it listed five primary obstacles. These are five things that the enemy uses as well to keep your prodigal son and daughter from turning and surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. One of the first ones, but it's not necessarily in this order, could be money, the pursuit of success, 
which is not a sin in of itself. We all would like to see our sons and daughters successful financially, academically, vocationally. But like the rich young ruler, when the pursuit of money and success distracts from the things of God, and when the pursuits of worldly possessions keeps you from committing your life to Jesus Christ, when that becomes a priority, and it keeps you from surrendering your life to the Lord, the enemy can use that. He can even tell your young person, not yet, don't turn to Christ yet. Do what you need to do to get to where you need to get first. The Bible makes it very clear to do not lay up for treasures on earth. It doesn't mean don't strive to be successful, but it's a matter of priority. The most important thing is your soul. There was the illustration, the parable of the choice pearls. Many of our young people are pursuing choice pearls, the pearl of success and wealth and money. The choicest pearl of all is salvation. And it's our prayer that our prodigal sons and daughters are not distracted by the riches of this life. The prodigal son is an example of someone who was distracted by money and success and riches. He asked for his inheritance. Even before his father passed away, he wanted his share. And the father gave it to him. And he squandered it all. His first priority was not family, not faith, but finance. And that was his downfall. Thank God that he came to his senses and returned to his father, who rejoiced at his return. Another factor, and this is something that goes on with many teens, there's been an influx of many young people who are playing these games, Warcraft, or other fantasy games, fantasy board games, where you enter a fantasy world. And your whole life becomes a fantasy. You assume the character of someone in the game. And many of our teenagers are involved in these so-called fantasy games where you assume the role of a character. It becomes you. You become the character. Many of these games involved witchcraft, sorcery. And they get so enmeshed in these games that they escape reality and they become preoccupied. Some of these young people play these games for hours into the night. There have been several instances when young people have played these satanic games and the character in the game has died and the young person, in order to fulfill the reality of the character, has committed suicide. The enemy has many young people in bondage to these satanic fantasy games. And so it is our hope that your young person, your prodigal teen, some prodigal adults are involved in these games as well, that God would deliver them, bring them to reality, and save their souls from these satanic fantasy worlds of these games. A third obstacle is relationships. Many of our prodigal sons and daughters are involved in relationships with a male or a female who doesn't want them to go to church, promises them a life of sexual pleasure, or maybe the partner is hostile to the gospel and doesn't want your young person to go to church. I'm aware of several instances when a young person had wanted to come to church, but their boyfriend or girlfriend had encouraged them not to, even threatened to break off the relationship if they turned to church. And they do this out of their own hostility. Yes, you can be in bondage in a relationship. And the enemy will use that. Relationships and love are very powerful things. There have been many young people who have committed suicide. Older people as well, who have killed themselves and taken their lives 
when a relationship ends and they cannot bear to lose the person that they were in a relationship with, that is a lie from the enemy. The most important relationship you can have is a relationship with God. People come and go. Human relationships are unstable. But a walk with the Lord is eternal. And the enemy has many of our young people in bondage to these relationships. A fourth lie from the enemy. Many of our young people and teenagers and prodigal sons and adults are involved in alternative religions, crystals. They wear crystals on their necks or charms. The belief that charms and crystals and spells can give them success, luck, can bring them love. There are many stores. There are several stores in my area here in Sullivan County that sell crystals and charms and the false belief that putting on these charms and crystals will bring them love and success. Many times our young people will get involved in Buddhism, Hinduism, alternative religions, meditation, focus groups, but they won't go near a church or open up a Bible or let anyone pray for them. And they get deeply involved in these alternative religions, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Lies of the enemy, deceptions, satanic deceptions intended to keep your prodigal son and daughter from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a fifth, and it's not confined to these five things. I'm sure there are many others. Did you know that you can be a prodigal in church? That's right. Many young people go to church, and they're prodigals in church. There are churches that are hyper-grace churches. Many churches do not talk about hell, repentance, heaven, the devil, the rapture, the second coming of Christ, the great tribulation period. Many, many churches are afraid to talk about these things. Sometimes these churches don't want to lose people by speaking about these things, and they are what we call hyper-grace churches. God is love. He's accepting, forgiving. And that is true. God is a God of love, and he is accepting and forgiving. But he is a holy God, a justice God. And what he wants more than anything is for us to surrender our lives to him, and be consecrated and holy in obedience to him. And there are many churches who have prodigal young people in them. The churches are making them prodigal. They're not coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. Instead, the churches are preaching a gospel of grace, total grace, where there is no need to repent of your sins, no need to confess your sins. They don't talk about hell. They don't talk about repentance. They don't talk about the Antichrist. These are unpopular topics that can scare people off, less people in the church. Many churches have an abundance of youth activities and programs. And people who are attending those churches can become preoccupied. They come to church more for the activities than to hear the word of God if these churches are even preaching the word of God. And I agree with my wife who chimed in, wake them up, Lord, wake up these churches. And if you won't wake up the church, wake up the young person. Yes, you can be a prodigal young person. You can be a prodigal in church. And it's my hope and prayer. Some parents are attending Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches that preach repentance, consecration, and holiness. And some parents have prodigal sons and daughters who are attending hyper-grace churches, soul ties, because the church preaches a message that tickles the ears and is popular and is comforting. Nothing is demanded of you. You don't have to repent. You don't have to confess sin. You don't have to live consecrated, unholy. 
I've heard this phrase many times from many young people. I'm a work in progress. That may be true, but who's the one that's working on you? Is it the Lord or is it the enemy? So you may turn around and say that you are a work in progress, but examine your faith, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. You may be a work in progress, but who is the one who is working on you? Whose potter's wheel are you on? And so many young people are attending churches that are not preaching the gospel. It is our prayer that the enemy will no longer have them in bondage to these soul ties and that God will open up their eyes so that they see this church is not preaching the gospel. This church is not preaching repentance. I'm not growing spiritually. Where are the topics of the rapture, salvation, sin, repentance, holiness, consecration, without which no man shall see the Lord? And so we pray for our prodigal sons and daughters who are not necessarily involved in lives of sin, but are prodigals in church as well. Some prodigal sons and daughters attend Bible-believing churches, and they come faithfully. Their parents, maybe even church leaders, but the young person themselves is relying on the religion of their parents and the spirituality of their parents. A back door, they believe, to heaven. Everyone, all of us, must turn to Christ for ourselves. It is appointed unto, unto every man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And it is our prayer that our prodigal sons and daughters, whatever they're involved in, whether it's drugs, alcohol, the pursuit of riches and success as a distraction, whether or not the cares of this life are distracting them, maybe a relationship, whether it's involvement with an alternative religion or whether they're in a church that's not preaching the truth of God, that they all get delivered and that the Lord open up their eyes to the point where they turn away from these things and come to the foot of the cross and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's my hope for my son and daughter, that soon, very soon that they come to Christ. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week. It may happen years from now. But the situation is in God's hands. And on the occasions when you and I doubt, on the occasions when you and I become fearful, on the occasions when you and I may reach a point of discouragement, where we say, it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. How long, Lord, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts of anxiety for my prodigal son and daughter? We pray that the peace of God permeate our hearts and minds and that we will sleep in peace knowing that God will hear and answer our prayers. Well, we're coming to the end of our weekly podcast. It is approximately 7.58 p.m. We didn't have anybody chime in, but... That is okay. Uh, it's my hope that the words spoken and the musical numbers that were played were an encouragement and a blessing to you. While you and I pray for our prodigal sons and daughters. So please join me in a closing prayer at this time. Father, I thank you, Lord, as in the opening of this time, I thank you for this time, Lord God. And I prayed for your blessing be upon the listeners. And as we come to the conclusion of this time together, I pray that the words that were spoken, the scriptures that were shared, and the music that was played, and the insights that were spoken were a blessing and a comfort and a strength to anyone who was listening. It may be a hundred people, it may be one. But no matter who it is, Lord God, no matter how many there were, I pray that your blessing be upon every listener of this podcast and that our prodigal sons and daughters come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And as we leave the air right now, for every prodigal parent who is listening 
every prodigal brother or sister who has an unsaved brother or sister, that you give us sweet sleep, not worrying about them, but trusting in your ability to save, sanctify, and fill with the Holy Spirit. We commit them, their souls, and their salvation and their deliverance in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friends and brothers and sisters, it is 8 o'clock. We've come to the conclusion of our podcast. And we hope to hear from you. We invite you to listen in next Thursday at 7 o'clock to the next Parents of Prodigals podcast. In the meantime, continue in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests for your prodigal sons and daughters be made known unto God. And God's peace will keep you and guard you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night to all of you.